This morning's sermon text will be found in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21, if you'd like to turn with me. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we can taste heaven now because, in essence, you are our heaven. Jesus defined eternal life as to know you. So to know you is eternal life. And if we know you and fellowship with you and enjoy your glory and have intimacy with you, then we know what heaven is about. Yes, there'll be mansions in heaven of one sort or another, whatever they look like. Yes, there'll be gates of pearl and streets of gold, a glorious city, Jerusalem, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Yes, there will be external things, but the main thing of heaven is you. All of that will seem like nothing to us because we'll know you. There'll be no need for a temple because you will be our temple. There will be no need for the sun because you will be the light of the world. And we will enjoy you forever and ever and ever. We will see you face to face by the mercy that's in your heart in the face of Christ. And in that sense, we can taste heaven now because we know you already in Christ. And how I bless you for that. How I praise you for that. How I praise you for the taste of heaven that we've just had. And I pray that even as you've already begun to minister to our needs, give us hope and strength and encouragement and forgiveness and discipline and all the things that we need I pray now that I preach your word that you would continue your ministry among us. Lord, we renounce trust in ourselves. We renounce trust in our ways. We put all of our trust in you. This is your church. We are your people. This is your word I'm about to preach. Those are your songs that we sang. It's all about you. You are the vine. We are the branches. And we acknowledge that gladly. And we rejoice because you say that your word never goes out void. It never goes out without producing the effect that it was meant to go out for. And we rejoice in that, Jesus. We rest in that. You have drawn every single one of us here to church this morning. Not one of us is here by circumstance or accident. You drew us here. And how I rejoice that you will accomplish your purposes in every life here this morning. How I praise you for that. How I rest in you because of that. Now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our heaven, our rock, our redeemer, our great and gracious friend. Amen. To give thanks to God is to worship God. And to fail to give thanks to God is to fail to worship God. That was the main lesson that we learned from last week. And that's a very, very, very important lesson to learn. The English Standard Version uses the words thank or thanks or thanksgiving or some form of those words 170 times. 
And of those 170, 167 of them directly relate to worship. So serious and deep and strong is this connection between thanksgiving and worship that 98% of the time the words for thanksgiving appear, worship is the context. If you were to dissect worship, pull it apart, and discover what its essential elements are, by which I mean those elements without which worship would cease to be worship, well, thanksgiving would be one of those elements. Worship cannot exist without thanksgiving. Now, I know that's a strong statement, but I've been meditating on this for two or three weeks now biblically, and I think it's true. You remove thanksgiving, worship dies. Worship cannot exist without thanksgiving. And so it is that Paul says to us in verse 20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This week, I want to begin grappling with you about the meaning of this phrase, always and for everything. Because if I'm being honest with you and being frank with you, the standard seems impossible to me. It seems just flatly impossible to give thanks to God at all times and for all things. I don't know how you hear this command, but how I hear it is this. Give thanks without ceasing. Give thanks in every single circumstance of life. Or one way that it's been seeming to me this week, give thanks as often as you breathe. Breathe in mercy. Breathe out thanks. Breathe in steadfast love. Breathe out thanks. Breathe in life. Breathe out thanks. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I was thinking about all this this week. I thought of the metaphor of a water fountain, which is why this water fountain is here. Someone's already teased me about it. No, we're not going Zen, Buddhist, or anything like that. This is a metaphor for thanksgiving. As long as that water fountain is filled with water and plugged into a power source, it will ceaselessly flow with water. As long as its parts last, and as long as it has life, it will ceaselessly flow with water. That's what Paul is calling us to do with thanksgiving. He's saying, as long as you are plugged into God the Father through Jesus Christ, give thanks. As long as you have life and breath, give thanks. As long as your parts hold up and you have life, give thanks to God. As long as you are filled with the Holy Spirit, give thanks to God. Give thanks always and for everything to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give Him thanks as often as you breathe. When you move into a new house, give thanks. When you lose your house, give thanks. When you get a new job, give thanks. When you're unemployed for a year and there's no end in sight and you're really feeling the pain, give thanks. When your marriage is going well and the love is flowing and the respect is flowing, give thanks. When your marriage isn't going so well and it's all you can do to hang on, well, even then, give thanks. When you have a good boss who treats you well and respects your opinion, give thanks. When you have a boss who's hard-hearted and demeaning and demanding and makes the days seem twice as long as they really are, give thanks. When you're in good health, praise God, give thanks. When you find out you have cancer, give thanks. When you 
discover you're having a baby, give thanks when you hear the news that that baby has serious, lifelong birth defects. Give thanks. When you have affections for God and your heart beats fast just at the mention of the name Jesus, give thanks. When your heart is cold and hard and you hardly feel anything for God, well, at that time, give thanks too. When you share Christ with a lost person and they believe in Him and they come to faith in Christ, they are transferred from darkness into light, give thanks to God. And when you lay down your life for two years or seven years or 23 years in some part of the world and you preach the gospel with all your heart and you live faithfully before Him and nobody comes to Christ, give thanks. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give Him thanks at all times for all things in every circumstance as often as you breathe. Be a fountain of thanksgiving to God. That's how I hear this command. Now, let me ask you an honest question. Do you live your life like that? Do you give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it your instinct to acknowledge God in all things, at all times, to give Him the thanks that is due, to give Him the glory that is due to His name? Well, I will be the first to stand here and say that I don't. Even though I terribly want to live a life like that, I don't. Even though I want to know what it is to be the kind of person who so loves God and sees God in everything that I thank Him at all times, I'm not that kind of person yet. I have grown tremendously over the years in this respect as I've come to know Jesus Christ, but I'm so far from the standard here in Ephesians 5.20. And my suspicion is that the same is true of every single person in this room. If that's true, just say amen. It's true. We do not give thanks as we ought. And yet, here's the Bible commanding us to give thanks at all times and in all seasons to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just being very honest with you when I say that standard seems impossible to me. And so, what do we do? What do we do with the fact that the Bible is setting a seemingly impossible standard, and yet it's clearly calling us to stretch toward that standard, to live by that standard? Well, here's where the dynamics that are implicit in the second half of verse 20 become very important, because those dynamics will make the impossible possible. Those dynamics will help us to make sense of the conflict between the, the impossibility of the standard that the Bible is setting and the reality of the fact that the Bible is calling us to live by that standard. And so what I want to do this morning is struggle with those things with you, probe into it a little bit and see what's there. I know I told you last week that we'd spend this whole morning on always and for everything, but as I put my thoughts together, I realized that without understanding these underlying concepts, always and for everything just makes no sense. There's no way to talk about it without understanding the dynamics in the second half of the verse. So I want to start by laying out the pattern for thanksgiving that Paul lays out here in verse 20. And then I want to show you how that pattern is identical to the pattern of our salvation. And then how that fact and that relationship will produce great joy and great thanksgiving in our lives and make the impossible possible. 
So let me start by showing you the pattern of thanksgiving here, and let's just get this really clear in our minds. Paul says in verse 20 that we ought to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is no sin, not even close to sin, to give thanks directly to Jesus Christ. But the normative pattern that Paul is setting for us here is that we give thanks to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father is the main recipient of our thanksgiving, and Jesus Christ is the means by which we give thanks. He is the means by which we get access to God in order to give thanks. And I use that word access because of texts like these. Let me just wrap off three of them for you. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, 17-18 And He, Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. In other words, he came and preached to the Gentiles, and he preached to the Jews. And then it says, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Christ we have access to the Father. And one more, Ephesians 3, 11-12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he, the Father, has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Jesus Christ is the means by which we gain access to God. And this dynamic is true when it comes to thanksgiving. The way we give thanks is to God through Jesus Christ, to the Father through the Son. Now, there's one more crucial aspect here that we have to add, and I see this in chapter 5, verse 18, which says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, dot, 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 verse 20, giving thanks, always and for everything. Be filled with the Spirit, dot, 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 giving thanks, always and for everything. Now, I take that to mean that the power by which we give thanks to God is the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who enables us to give thanks to God. He is the one who gives us willingness and desire and ability to give thanks to God. He is the one that opens these blind eyes and opens these deaf ears to see the multitude of things for which I should give thanks to God. He is the one that overcomes my many resistances in my heart and actually helps me to give thanks to God. He is the one working in us to cause us ever to strive toward this standard of giving thanks always and for everything. He is the one who makes the impossible possible. And if we're to learn to strive toward this standard of giving thanks as often as we breathe, we must learn to rely on Him. We must forsake trusting in ourselves and trying to do this Christian life on our own power. It's impossible with us, but it's possible with Him. Amen? He makes all things possible. And so we must rely on Him. The way to stretch toward this standard is to rest on Him. When you experience a victory, a success of some sort in your life, and you're tempted to take the glory for yourself, take the credit for yourself, rather than giving thanks to God, well, in that moment, 
depend on the Holy Spirit and not on yourself and give thanks to God. Give thanks to God as He deserves. When you experience some kind of failure in your life and you are tempted to fall into self-pity or despair, well, resist the temptation to do that. And instead, give thanks to God by leaning on the Holy Spirit for whatever God is doing in your life through that failure. When life is going well and affections for God are plenteous and praise for God flows out of your mouth with ease, resist the temptation to look to yourself and be impressed with yourself. That's just what happened to Satan. I think it's in Isaiah 14 that we learned that. If I'm wrong about that, please let me know. But he got impressed with himself and he fell. So when affections for God are flowing well, rely on the Holy Spirit and learn to give thanks to God where that thanks belongs. When life is hard, and it's hard just to even get out of bed in the morning and put your feet on the ground and walk out the door and do what you have to do that day, or stay in the house and do what you have to do that day, don't rely on yourself. Rely on the Holy Spirit and learn to give thanks to God for all things at all times. One of the reasons... We so often fail to live up to this command is simply because we do not lean on Him. Instead, we trust in ourselves. And the truth of the matter is that we do not have it inside of ourselves to do what God is calling us to do here. We're bankrupt. You go into the bank of your heart to try to take out a withdraw to give thanks to God. There's just nothing there. There's nothing there. Everything we need is in Christ. It's in the Holy Spirit. God has created us to be profoundly dependent beings. Now that's something I think is just totally antithetical to the way Americans think. But He has created us to be profoundly dependent beings so that we either depend on the Holy Spirit to do what God has called us to do or we fail. There is no other option. You rely on the Spirit or you fail and how our Father wants us to rely on Him so that we won't fail. So that we will see with our own eyes God making the impossible possible. He can do it and He wants us to know it. He wants us to see it in our own lives. Ron Porter is a friend of mine from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis and several of you know him as well. One day... Ron and I were having coffee together at the Caribou down in Rogers, and we were talking about the nature of living by faith in Christ. And this guy just knows what it means to live by faith, and I love him for it. I love talking to him about this subject. And as we were talking, he told me a story of a day when he and his daughter were mowing the lawn together. And she was just about five or six years old. She's just a little girl. So he's got his hands on the lawnmower like this, and she's standing between him and the mower with her hands in between his, inside of his there. And so they're just pushing along and doing the lawn. Things are going fine. But at some point, she decides that she wants to mow the lawn by herself. So she says, Daddy, it's time for me to mow the lawn by myself now. And Ron said, okay, go ahead. And steps back from the mower, takes his hands off. She pushes with all her might. The handle goes up. The handle comes down. But the mower doesn't move. <laughs> So she braces herself, pushes again, the handle goes up, the handle goes down, mower doesn't move. So she looks over, grabs his hand, puts it on the mower, grabs this hand, puts it on the mower, says, Daddy, let's mow the lawn together now. <laughs> off they went together. I just love that story. What a beautiful picture of what it is to live by faith in our Father. And when we try to give thanks to Him on our own, 
We're just like Ron's daughter trying to push that mower without his help. The handle goes up, the handle comes down, but the mower doesn't move. But when we grab his hands, as it were, put him on the mower and say, Okay, Father, let's push this thing together, then off we go. Off we go. We live by faith. He's the one that makes the mower move, right? That little girl, uh, she's pushing with all of her might. She was not making the mower move, I promise you. He was making the mower move. God will make the mower of the thanksgiving in our heart move. He's the one who does it. So, if you want to stretch towards this standard of giving thanks always and for everything, and I hope to God that you do, then lean on Him. Rely on Him. He will make this thing move in your life. If you're going through something right now and you're just like, I just cannot imagine giving thanks to God. I can't imagine how I would do that or actually doing it. Well, you're just in the right place that you ought to be. You're in the place of total dependence on God. Stop looking at yourself. Look to Him and He will help you learn what it means to give thanks as often as you breathe. With us, this standard is impossible. But with Him, all things are possible. So, let us learn to lean on Him. The normative pattern for thanksgiving is that we give thanks to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. To the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'm not saying that it's a sin to give thanks to the Holy Spirit or to give thanks to Jesus. I do it all the time, sitting right there this morning, I was giving thanks to Jesus for that precious, precious name of His. But what I'm saying is the normative pattern is to the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Spirit. Now, it turns out that that pattern of thanksgiving is identical to the pattern of our salvation. It's exactly the way in which we were saved. So let me just take a few minutes and show you that, and then we'll come back and, and, and I'll show you why that relation is important. First, let me start with where we started with Thanksgiving and just say, for us to be saved was impossible, at least from a human perspective. It was absolutely impossible. Let me just rehearse for you the several things Ephesians says about us before we were in Christ. We could take hours and look at what the whole Bible says about what we were before we were in Christ. But here's just a few things Ephesians says. The first few things that I'm going to say come from chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And I don't know what you think, but I think it doesn't get a lot worse than dead, right? Dead people don't make decisions for Christ. Dead people don't gravitate toward God. Dead people are dead. And the Bible says that before we were in Christ, we were spiritually dead. And that's not all. It says that we were, number two, following in the course of this world. We were just like little lemmings, just following the crowd wherever it went. Off the cliff, fine. Into the wall, fine. Wherever the crowd goes, that's where we go. We're just following in the course of this world. Number three, we were under the dominion of the prince of the power of the air, which is to say Satan. We had been taken captive by Him to do His will, though we would have denied it to our dying day. I promise you, there's not an unsaved person in this world today that would say, oh, of course, I'm under the dominion of Satan. And before I knew Christ, I would have denied it too. But it was true. We were living under His dominion, in the dominion of darkness. And then fourthly, worst of all by far, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were a people who were deserving of and destined for the anger of God to be poured upon us for the horror of our sins. That was us. 
Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And then there's more. Before we were in Christ, Ephesians tells us, we were separated from Christ. We were strangers to the covenants of promise given to Israel. We were without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 2.13 We were darkened in our understanding. We were alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in us due to our hardness of hearts. We had become callous. We had become greedy to practice every form of impurity. Ephesians 4.18-19 And finally it tells us that we were darkness. Not that we walked in darkness, but that we were darkness. Ephesians 5, 8. And again, it just doesn't get any worse than that. That is a very, very brief picture of what we were like before we were in Christ. And so I say again, without any reservation at all, it was impossible for us to be saved before we were saved. Except for one thing. And that one thing was the superabundant mercy in the heart of God. I get that from Ephesians 2.4, which says, But God, being rich in mercy, in the light of all that horror and darkness I just laid out for us, it says, But God, being rich in mercy. And that word rich means to overflow abundantly in the Greek language. It's a very wealthy word, so to speak. And so, It means that the mercy in the heart of God is abounding without end. Which is why I use the word superabundant. God was superabundant in mercy toward us. His mercy knows no end. And praise be to God. He elected to display His mercy by saving us from ourselves, from the world, from the devil, from His own wrath in Jesus Christ. With us it was impossible, but in Christ God made the impossible possible. And here is just a little bit of a glimpse of what it says the Father did for us in Christ according to His mercy. First of all, He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1.4 Next, He predestined us for adoption into His family through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.5 He covered our trespasses and sins by sending Christ to die in our place and cover and forgive our sins. Ephesians 1.7 Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive with Christ. He raised us up with Christ. He seated us with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.5-6 through 6. In all of these texts, The pattern we see is that the Father is pouring mercy on us through the Son. Just look at Ephesians sometime and count how many times you see things like in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. It's over, 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 over. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. The superabundant mercy of God poured out of His heart onto us through Jesus Christ. From the Father, through the Son. That's how salvation happens. Now, What about the Holy Spirit? Where does He fit into this whole pattern? As the Father draws us to Himself, which which is what Jesus said happens in John 6.44. He said, the Father draws you to Him. If you were saved, it was because the Father drew you to Himself. As He does that, the Father sends the Holy Spirit to cause us to be born again. I get that from John 3, 1-8. So, our being born again begins in the heart of the Father, 
And it actually happens, though, as He dispatches the Holy Spirit, as it were, to grant us new birth, to cause new life to spring up from within us. And then once we're born, the Father, it says in Ephesians 1, 13-14, seals us with the Holy Spirit. He puts His brand on us. He says, this one is mine, and this one is mine forever. He guarantees that we will come into our inheritance in Christ. And again, you can see that in Ephesians 1, 13-14. Thirdly, once we have been saved and sealed by the Father, the Holy Spirit mediates our access to Him, if you will. And here's what I mean. I get this from Ephesians 2, 18, by the way. What I mean is that the Father willed us to have access to Him. The Son paved the road, so to speak. But it's the Holy Spirit who grabs us by the hand and walks us down that road so that we actually come into the presence of the Father. He escorts us there. And then finally, number four, as He does that, the Holy Spirit works within us to save us more day by day by day by day so that from one degree of glory to another, we're changed into His image. And one day, we will become holy as He is holy. Salvation comes from the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Same exact pattern as that of thanksgiving. It was impossible with us But salvation did, in fact, come that way for all who are saved. From the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Spirit, this made the impossible possible. And in just the same way that God made the impossible possible with regard to our salvation, He will make the impossible possible with regard to our giving thanks to Him always and for everything. He will do it! He saved us. Amen? Would you agree with that if you're saved? He saved you. He did it. And He will create in you a thankful person, a praising person. He will do it. He will do it. He's more committed to you praising His name than you are. And He will work this in you in cooperation with you. You just put your hand on that little mower and push, and He will do all the hard work. As we put our trust in Him and He works in us, He will shape us into His image. We'll die to our way, we'll live to His way, and we will learn something of what it means to give thanks as often as we breathe. Now, I'm not saying, because I don't think it's true, that we will ever reach that full standard here on this earth. We will never completely give thanks as we ought on this earth. But day by day, by the grace of God, we'll grow and grow and grow and grow. My wife Kim and I were talking about this yesterday and how much both of us have just grown in this respect over the last 17 or so years of our marriage. We've just seen as God has worked in our lives, we've become more thankful people. And the same will be true every day that we live. God will work this in us. And when we fail, guess what? He'll be there in Christ to cover our sins, pick us up, set us on our feet again. Glory be to His name. And then one day, the day will come for all who are in Christ. Your Father will call you home to be with Him and you will see Him face to face in the face of Christ and your sin will be gone. You will see Him as He is. It says in 1 John 3, And you will become like Him because of that. And all your corruption will be gone. All laziness will be gone. All temptation will be gone. All hardness of heart will be gone. The very presence of evil will be gone. And you will be free. 
you will be free to give Him thanks always and for everything as often as you breathe. I promise you, one day your Father will make this standard a reality in your life. He will do it. He will do it. There will be a day when every single breath you breathe will be thanksgiving to God in one form or another. So lean on Him again. My final exhortation to you who are believers, take one more step down that road today and lean on Him. He will make this happen. And if you fail a hundred times, as I did yesterday, it's so ironic, I'm sitting there writing a sermon, the, the second half of it, on, on Thanksgiving, and I'm failing a hundred times to give thanks to God. I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. Every time I fail, there He is to cover my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Lift me up. Pick me up. Set me on my way. Encourage me. He will do that for you. Friend, if you're in Christ, your salvation is a done deal. It's a done deal. And no amount of failure on your part is going to change His mind. Listen to what Jesus Christ Himself said to you in John 6.37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I hope you hear that this morning. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never give up on you. He knows your whole future already anyway. He knew it before you were born. He's not surprised by anything you're going to do. So just look to Him. And when you fail, keep looking to Him. Keep looking to Him. Keep looking to Him. It says in the Bible that David, the king, was a man after God's own heart, right? Have you ever struggled with what that means? I mean, here's a guy who murdered a man in order to take his wife from that man. And this guy is a a man after God's own heart? What could that possibly mean? Well, I think what it means is that when David was caught in his sin or when he won a victory or when he uh, endured a defeat or whatever happened in his life, he went to God. He always went to God. He always faced God. He always came into the presence of God. He was a man after God's heart. So no matter how often you fail, friend, just go to God. His steadfast love never ends. Amen? And it won't end in your lifetime. It will not end in your case. It will be steadfast. So keep going to Him. He will make the impossible possible with you. And each day, day by day, just grow a little bit more in learning what it means to give thanks always and for everything. Now, one final word to those of you who don't know Christ. And I don't assume that I'm always preaching to people who all know Christ. So if you don't feel like you believe in Jesus Christ, that God sent Him to die for your sins, and that God raised Him up from the dead after He died for your sins... And that if you believe in Him, you will have eternal life and be spared the wrath of God. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, the bad news I have for you this morning is that it's impossible for you to give thanks to God in a way that's pleasing to Him. It's impossible. Because Jesus Christ is the one and only access to the Father. You know, there's all kinds of stuff out there today that Whatever way you take, it doesn't really matter what way you take, it's just it's, we're all going to get there. Well, that's not how Jesus taught. It's not how He thought. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. There is one door that leads into the presence of the Father, and that door is called Jesus Christ. 
There are other doors, to be sure, but they're all dead ends. Every one of them is a dead end. Jesus Christ is the only door. If you haven't walked through that door, there is no way for you to give thanksgiving to God in a way that's pleasing to Him. The good news, though, is that all it takes to walk through that door is simple belief, simple faith in Him. Romans 10.9 says this to you, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord which means He reigns over the universe, over the nations, over the church, over your life, over everything. If you will confess with your mouth that He is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a promise to you from God. And so if you haven't believed, I urge you this morning to believe. I believed on October 26, 1986, almost 22 years ago now. I have never regretted following Christ. It has been hard at times. It's been really hard at times. But I have never regretted it. And you will never regret being transferred from darkness into light. And I pray that you will do that. If you will do that, you'll understand what I've been talking about this morning. You'll understand at least a little bit of what it means to begin giving thanks to God. Not just to your wife or the waitress or whatever, but to God. Always and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we do give You thanks because You are worthy to be praised. You have created the heavens and the earth, and You sustain them all by the power of Your Word. You have created every single one of us in this room, and You're sustaining our lives by the grace that's in Your heart. The Bible says that You are merciful to the righteous and the unrighteous. And you send your blessing on the just and on the unjust. So great a God are you. And I thank you for your mercy that's pouring upon every believer in this room right now. I thank you for your sustained, steadfast love to us in Christ. And I pray that we would see it. And I pray that we would have hearts to give you thanks for it. Oh God, please work in us to create in us what we cannot create in ourselves. Teach us what it means to give thanks always and for everything. To be like this fountain behind me and to ever flow with thanksgiving to you. And Lord, then I pray for any in this room who don't know you right now. How I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts to see you for who you are. Jesus, so many people believe lies about who you are. Please just open their eyes as you opened my eyes 22 years ago almost now. Please give them life. Let them see why we sing to you, why we cry for you, why we give thanks to you, why we're so consumed with you. Please, God, grant new life in this room today, I pray. Father, for all things we give you thanks. And for when we fail, we pray for forgiveness. Please teach us now as we rise to sing this song, give thanks with a grateful heart. In the great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our Father, I just can't resist but giving thanks to you one more time in the presence of your church, in the presence of the holy angels. Thanks be given to you, for you created all things, and by your power they are sustained. You caused us to be saved. You keep us in Christ. You are so merciful to us. Even if we don't have eyes to see it right now, your mercy is pouring upon us through Christ. And we thank you. Please give us eyes to see you, Father. Please give us ears to hear you. Please give us hearts to rejoice in you and mouths that are willing to give thanks to you. We love you, Father. And we long to love you more. 
Now may that great and gracious God bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. May He lift up His countenance over you and give you peace and hope and joy and a thankful heart in Christ Jesus, both now and forevermore. Amen. You are dismissed.